1: See how Miro users save up to 80 hours every year by meeting less and doing more. Get on board at Miro.com with three boards free forever. That's M I R O.com.
0: Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. This is the Average Conservationist Podcast brought to you by Outdoor Class and in partner with 2% for Conservation. Outdoor Class is the new single source of premium outdoor education from trusted, knowledgeable experts. For hunters committed to improving their skills, Outdoor Class is the only subscription-based e-learning platform that provides unlimited access to video lessons from the world's most respected experts covering topics across a hunter's entire journey. Learn from industry leaders like Corey Jacobson, Randy Newberg, Remy Warren, and other prominent personalities and organizations. Sign up today and use code AVERAGE to save 20%. 2% for Conservation's mission is to create an alliance of businesses and individuals that ensure the future of hunting and angling by committing their time and dollars to Fish and Wildlife. 1% of your time plus 1% of your money equals 2% for Conservation. 2% Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Average Conservationist Podcast, and I'm your host, Marcus Ewing. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Clint Salisbury, and Clint is the regional director for Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation here in Michigan. Um, I got to uh, first meet Clint uh, at the Total Archery Challenge uh, here in Michigan uh, back in uh, June, I guess it was, uh, and then we were able to finally, well, You'll hear in the episode. I tried to do some recording. Had some technical difficulties on site there, uh, but we were able to to link back up uh, afterwards uh, and sit down and record an episode, which was awesome because the work. Well, first off, a lot of people I don't think you know understand, uh, or maybe just don't know. Um, you don't know what you don't know, kind of thing. Um, you know that Michigan has a very uh, strong elk population uh, in in certain uh, kind of a certain region of Michigan. And, um, we get to talk about, you know, I guess, first off how Clint ended up working with RMEF, um, originally from Michigan, he bounced around a little bit, lived in Colorado for uh, a period of time and then had the opportunity, uh, to come back to Michigan, uh, for this particular position. Um, and as we really, it's, it's really worked out well for him. I mean, this, this position, working with an organization like RMBF, um, Clinton kind of describes it as a dream job and something that he would, you know, he always, uh, always wished that he could, he could do or a position or an organization that he wished he could work with. So when the opportunity came, um, he certainly jumped at it. So we get to talk um, really about all things elk as it pertains to Michigan, from uh, you know the strength of the herd, uh, the likelihood that um, individuals here in Michigan are. Uh, to actually draw an elk tag, um, the work that the volunteers are doing here in Michigan, uh, as well as, you know, some of the projects that RMEF is working on, uh, you know, through the DNR uh, here in Michigan and everything like that to, to make sure that we can kind of continue to expand, um, you know, regions and, and habitat for elk uh, and, and, you know, really Kind of everything that goes along with that. I mean, they're they're doing a tremendous job, and we get to talk about the you know just the the overall uh, work that RMEF has been able to do here in Michigan over you know not only the short time that Clint's been in this position, but really since uh, the chapter began. So, uh, really great episode, a uh, ton of information, and um, hopefully. Uh, really what it does is for those Michigan residents who maybe haven't thought about putting in for, uh, an elk tag, uh, to start doing so, because it's probably, um, uh, going to take a few years if ever, um, uh, to, uh, to draw that tag. So that's why it's kind of, or at least I consider it kind of a, a dream hunt because a lot of us, um, you know, here in Michigan or even the Midwest, um, you know, we can have the ability to, to go out, out west to, to some different states and, and do an over-the-counter tag hunt or something like that. But to be able to draw an elk tag here in Michigan, um, you know, where a lot of us live and, and recreate and hunt and everything like that is, um, is really kind of a dream come true. So, episode 110, Clint Salisbury, RMEF. Uh, enjoy. Enjoy. Before we get into today's episode, though, I want to tell you about some of the partners of the podcast. First off, is Hardside Hydration. If you're looking for a rugged and dependable setup for the backcountry, you need to visit hardsidehydration.com and check out their swig rig. And the swig rig, what it is, is it converts your nalgene bottle into the perfect hydration setup. It gives you an option that's easy to clean, easy to access, and allows you the peace of mind that your hydration system is not going to fail you when you're in the backcountry. Um, I've been running this thing for a while on just, you know, kind of some some hikes, some uh, while I'm out on the river, anything like that, and it's it's the perfect setup. You know, super easy to access. Like I said, how much water you have left? Super easy to with their dis- quick disconnect system, pop that off, fill your water back up, and away you go. There's never any guessing about how much water you have left or, or anything like that. Plus, um, if you're someone who likes to use some um, powder drinks with it, some you know there's a bunch of different things out there, perfectly uh, fine to use with that. You can mix it up super easy to clean, so it is a great um, option and really um, something that's a, a great solution for anyone um, getting out and doing any type of recreating. So be sure and check out the Swig Rig at Hydration. Dot com. Uh, also today's episode is going to be brought to you by our friends over at Stone Glacier. Uh, Stone Glacier has been making, um, some of the best packs in the industry for a long time now. Uh, but not only packs <clears throat> in recent years, they've added, uh, great tents and sleep systems to their lineup, uh, as well as uh, a bunch of great layering pieces. Um, out, outerwear as well. Uh, really anything that you're going to need for your hunt, you're going to be able to find it at StoneGlacier.com. Uh, also, be sure to download the Stone Glacier app either on iTunes or Google Play and stay up to date with uh, a lot of their film releases, uh, videos, tech tips, tech tips, all that great stuff. I um, Just really stay up to date with everything that Stone Glacier uh, has going on. So be sure and check them out at StoneGlacier.com. All right, I'd like to welcome to the show from Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, Mr. Clint Salisbury. Clint, how are you today?
1: I'm great. How are you doing today?
0: I'm good. I, uh, I'm hoping that the uh, the second time is a charm. Uh, after I experienced some technical difficulties when we tried to do this a few weeks ago at the uh, the tack event here in Michigan.
1: Hey, better better late than never, as my grandpa would say, right? So yeah. we're, we're here. We're doing it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'd rather owe you than cheat you out of it. Is one I always like to use too
1: good yeah absolutely i like that. i'm gonna have to feel that one
0: yeah so <laughs> so clint tell me what exactly um what is it that you do with R M E F?
1: yeah so um i am the regional director with the rocky mountain owl foundation um essentially i'm a part of our field staff team so i am responsible for um, fundraising uh within the state of michigan um you know, so we have a variety of people all over the the country that are that are in my roles in, in various states. And I say that there's there's somebody in in every state, um, and in multiple states there could be more than one regional director. Um, and then in certain states there could be uh, a couple states lumped together. Um, in Montana there's two regional directors. Um, Idaho there's two. California to list a couple, and then down in Ohio and in Indiana, our neighboring states, uh, there's one regional director that is responsible for those two states as a whole. So uh, first and foremost, it's, it's working with our local volunteers um, and working with a, on a fundraising level um, to put on, you know, we may have called them in the past big game banquets or events, uh, whatever we want to call them um, could be an archery shoot. Like we did at total archery challenge where I met you a couple weeks ago. Um, but the sentiment there is to put on an event, um, fundraise for RMEF, the key, Component of that fundraising arm is half of the money that we raise here within Michigan uh, and or in any state stays here within Michigan. So, you know, after a year of fundraising and having events all over the state, uh, we'll then come together and say, hey, this is the amount of money that we fundraised. We'll then work with the Michigan Department of Natural Resources to say, hey, this is the amount that we fundraised. You know, what's needed for the elk herd locally here in Michigan? Um, and then we have another part of that, which is our state grant program where, you know, we have local 4-H groups and, um, archery shooting clubs and, and skeet shooting clubs that, um, are always in need of partners. So we'll partner with them, uh, here in Michigan to, um, to help their clubs or whatever it is they need for, for their, um, fundraising.
0: So <clears throat> how long have you, uh, been at this role? Yeah. So I, I, uh, I've been here, it's been o- just
1: over a year. I moved back to Michigan in April of last year.
0: Okay. And what were you doing, uh, if you don't mind me asking, what were you doing before RMEF?
1: Yeah. So, um, before that, I worked for a um, company called Urge Media. Um, they're a media acquisition company. And essentially, that I, I sold advertising on uh, television hunting shows. <laughs> okay. Yep. So, so worked in the industry for a few years before before working uh, for RMEF.
0: Yeah. So what did you, so, uh, presumably you went to college and everything. And I think for a lot of us, um, that are doing what we're doing now, right. That wasn't necessarily the goal or that wasn't the plan. Um, you know, when going to college, so, you know, where did you go to college? What did you go to college exactly for?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I went to the University of Findlay, um, and, down in, in Findlay, Ohio. I, I wrestled in college and, uh, got a degree in business. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and of course, graduated college during one of the worst uh, recessions ever. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, it was one of those things like, well, what do you want to do? Well, I want to work somewhere that will employ me and pay me money. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so initially, I, I started working in, in sales and uh, then actually went back to Findlay after working uh, for a couple of years and Uh, got my master's degree while, um, coaching in college, um, and working part time, um, and then moved to Colorado, um, back in, it would have been 2011. Uh, so almost 11 years ago, I moved out to Colorado and, um, started working, working out there again, back in sales and, um, you know, always kind of did, did sales aspect sort of jobs, whether it was healthcare, um, staffing, recruiting, things of that nature, um, ended up, you know, always had, you know, it was a job. I'll say most of them were jobs. Um, never, never anything that was like, had a passion for, um, or was like passionate about what I did. Uh, it was just, you know, stuff to, to help pay for, pay for, uh, my hunting trips. <laughs>
0: yeah, there you go. That's what I feel like a lot of us are working for just to, uh, to fund the extracurriculars and the hobbies that we all have.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's, it, it it's, it's part of it. You know, I was honestly lucky enough to get in the hunting industry within my last role. Um, and, and RMEF has always been, um, on my radar. They've always been one that like, it's kind of a dream organization to work for, you know, so to, to be working for them, to be working for, you know, an organization that is, you know, been around for as long as I've been alive and has helped to, to save and preserve land and, um, a variety of projects, all over it's pretty awesome just to be a part of something that, that's bigger than yourself. I'm, I'm a very lucky person.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's very well put. You said you, uh, I'm just going to sidebar real quick on something you had said. You, uh, you went to the university of Finley. Uh, I went to Saginaw yeah. Valley. So fellow GLIAC, okay. fellow Gleeck yeah. member. Um, yes. Um, what years were you there? Uh, I was, uh, wrestling there from 2002 to 2006 Okay. Uh, and then I
1: was co- coaching there from 2009 to 2011. So
0: Okay. So we would have definitely overlapped. I was uh I played football at Saginaw and Out. so I was there from 01 uh, I played 01 okay. to 04. So yeah, we definitely would yeah. have had uh some overlap. So it's always nice to meet uh another um uh, fellow Gliac athlete, that's for sure.
1: Yeah, well you guys probably you, you guys probably beat up on our football team pretty good. <laughs> I would <have> guess. Um <laughs> They're now in a, in a new conference. Uh, I think it's the GMAC or something along those lines. And they're, they're out, of, out of the GLIAC. I think they got tired of, of losing to you guys and uh, <laughs> the Grand Valleys of the world and, and uh, are, are, are much happier in that conference. So we, we actually didn't have enough um, – there were not enough schools with wrestling programs to kind of sustain a, a league championship or anything like that. So
0: Well, I was wondering uh, if never, you guys, uh, yeah. like, wrestled up, like, wrestled D1. Like, I know, like, some oh, Division two hockey schools yeah. – um you know play up a division
1: yeah so we um yeah so <laughs> yeah so we i mean in my my time wrestling there i mean i wrestled guys from michigan ohio state michigan state iowa nebraska iowa state um i mean we wrestled oh yeah i mean so my my coach um his kind of mantra was like well you know it doesn't really matter what our record is you know you're going to wrestle the best guys in the Midwest is is a hotbed for, for football and for wrestling, quite honestly. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, we, we wrestled all the best guys. I mean, I wrestled division one national champions and, um, you know, I won't say that I beat any of any (laughs) national champions, but, uh, I mean, I I definitely held my own with, with, um, with, with some competition here and, you know, we had the Michigan state open, which is a a staple that we always went to and wrestled a lot of big 10, uh, folks there. And so, yeah, it was, definitely a lot of the division 1 uh folks that I, we we wrestled against.
0: Yeah. I always yeah. uh I always find it interesting the parallels uh you know in athletics at a higher level and hunting. And it, it may sound, you know, for for some it may sound kind of silly and and it's like, well, how how could you make those, you know, make that leap, make that comparison? But I think the especially maybe as it more pertains to like western style hunting because you know, whitetail hunting is, while it's fun, I mean, you got to get to the tree and get up in the tree and you got to be patient and all that, but <laughs> the drive, um, that it takes to succeed at a high level in, in, you know, in college and, and that, that perseverance, that determination. I mean, those things translate a lot when you're in the woods, especially in the back country, you know, you're hiking in miles and, you know, hopefully coming out heavy and, you know, it's, uh, It's amazing the life, excuse me, the life lessons that you learn, um, through something like athletics, especially something like wrestling. That's just, you know, the, the physical, uh, demand and the physical toll that it puts on your body is just, it's insane.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, um. R- wrestling's uh, a lot harder than than elk hunting. Uh, <laughs> when, it goes, <laughs> when it comes down to it, you know, uh, when I'm elk hunting, I can eat whatever I want, I can drink whatever I want. And wrestling, I should not get to do that. Um, you know, so yeah, I mean, there definitely is some similarities there. You know, um, yeah. okay, we want to we want to get to that saddle. Um, we have to push and do that. I, you know, I would definitely agree that your whitetail hunting is is more of a patience game than anything, right? If, yeah, if you're patient enough um stealthy enough and, and control your scent enough then then you're probably gonna have some encounters when it comes to whitetail, right? Um sort of thing. Versus, you know, elk hunting, there's there's a little bit more check chess involved, um, a little bit more perseverance, absolutely. Um and uh yeah, I mean so, some days, you know, you're gonna be it's like, oh, why why did I even carry a, a bow today? Why did I carry a gun today? I didn't see anything.
0: Yeah, you went bow
1: yeah exactly um i wish i wasn't carrying it because it was heavy um you know so yeah there there definitely is a you know a correlation and you know a lot of my friends and people that i go hunting with were you know ex-athletes and college teammates and things like that you know so yeah when they come out now albeit you know when i lived in color i lived in colorado for 10 years they'd come out and there's there's no substitute for elevation you know like
0: living in- yeah. here in
1: michigan at this low elevation
0: that's the truth um
1: but, yeah, I mean, it definitely is is, is not a sit-and-wait game. It's, okay, we have to move, we have to do things, we have to, you know. Um, my, my college wrestling coach would say, um, and, and it, it kind of correlates, he would say good wrestlers can adapt, you know, match-to-match, match, you know, or call it season-to-season. Season. Great wrestlers can adapt within the match itself, right? So there's some correlation in there, like, you know, if I'm hunting and I'm I'm hunting the season, it's not just, okay, we'll, we'll we'll adapt for next year. Well, the season's not over. Let's adapt now. And if, whether it's having a different tactic, going to a different area. I mean, those are things that, you know, correlate between, you know, your, your high level sports that you're talking about and, and being a Western hunter for sure.
0: Yeah. That's a, that's a great saying. Um, I, I really, (laughs) I really like that. I think that, uh, that saying equates to, to a lot of things too, as it, as it applies oh, yeah. to life is, is being able to, to change on the fly in the moment, you know, recognize that whatever you're doing isn't working. I mean, that goes for, uh, you know, hunting for, you know, life, uh, whatever, you yeah. want, you can apply it, you know, across the board. I think that's, a your, your wrestling coach certainly had some great insight with that.
1: Yep. Absolutely.
0: So you're in Colorado for about 10 years. How is it that you ended up with RMEF? Was it just you saw a job posting and said, you know, it's a good time to get back to Michigan? Or it's just, you know, it's it's one of those those jobs and those organizations that I've always, you know, really uh, wanted to work for. How'd that, how'd that play out?
1: Yeah, I mean, they've, um, you know, so I, I never elk hunting when I moved to Colorado and, and got into elk hunting, archery elk hunting. And my first year, I killed a cow with my bow all by myself. I'm like, let's pretty freaking cool and you know then then was was lucky enough to um you know of my 10 years out there i got an elk with my bow eight out of 10 and um you know helped my dad kill a couple couple of elk helped a cousin kill his first elk helped countless people i i mean at one point i had a list um you know of the of the 10 years i was out there i was probably a part of 16 or 17 different archery elk kilts wow that's incredible Um, yeah. So very blessed. Um, you know, but, and, and, you know, some people would say lucky and that, that's fine. You know, I, I, you know, you gotta be lucky as my grandpa would say, uh, I'd rather be lucky than good, but, yeah. uh, it comes to the preparation to, to have that success. But I guess, you know, having, having those experience elk hunting, I mean, that really kind of had a, had a passion for it. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this, this is amazing. I, I, I love, I, I grew up a white tail hunter, but, you know, got got a taste for elk hunting. I'm like, well, this is it. This is like the pinnacle, right? And, <laughs> um, you know, honestly, um, I had applied for a job down in Ohio and in Indiana um, several years back, and uh, did not get that. And, um, and then, you know, this opening came up, and it actually came up came open right before COVID, and then closed. I'm like, well, man, I didn't even get an interview. I got an interview before. Like, what the heck? will you know, COVID hit and they basically didn't, didn't hire anybody for a year because of, you know, uncertainty with fundraising and things of that nature. Um, you know, our, our, prime, our prime fundraising source are in-person events. Well, when you're dealing with a pandemic and you're not able to have in-person events, it kind of cuts these things back. So, um, you know, I wasn't really, I guess, necessarily, you know, looking at the time. I was just always like a, a huge passion because I, I love what they do. I love what they're about. Um, you know, and I'm like, well, it's in Michigan. I'm from Michigan. Um chance to potentially be closer to my family. And um I didn't even tell any of my family that I was um that I was interviewing. I didn't say anything. I interviewed and then actually they flew me to Omaha because they were interviewing for another uh the regional director in um Iowa and Nebraska. And basically I was like kind of was like, I got this job. So I'm sitting there at the <laughs> Omaha, Omaha airport and I, I kind of I called my dad he's like why are you awake so early so I was in central time I was like well I'm here at the airport and sounds like I'm moving home to Michigan he's like excuse me <laughs> he's like I'm like yeah it sounds like this is this is going to be a thing and and uh, he's like holy cow I didn't know what to think right now I thought you I, I thought when you left for Colorado that you'd never move back and um, it's life you know I mean it was and I'll say in this last year it's I I, have definitely been been so so lucky and so thankful to 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 be with the organization being the place that I'm in work with the people that I work with um you know and it's um you know being you know being that I worked someone in the outdoor industry before um was 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 great you know but it this this just takes it to another level because um you know while I was you know working with you know brands that were in the industry you know I wasn't working you know towards a mission towards a goal towards uh something that was gonna i mean not even my legacy but just something that leaves a legacy you know beyond when when you and i are 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 gone right. um but to say like hey, I was a part of this in Michigan, I was a part of you know this collection of land here there the other that um that's, that's, that's impactful. That's powerful, right? Um, and I think that's, that's why RMF has such a, you know, we have over 12,000 volunteers across the country that um, love being a part of it. And they, they love being a part of that mission as well, right? Um, you know, uh, we actually just had a, a call earlier today, and it was, it was our CEO said, you know, wouldn't, like, Apple computers love to have 12,000 free sales people that sell what RMEF, you know, what sells, what Apple is about. Well, that's what we have with our volunteers. Is we have 12,000 people that don't get paid. They're here because they are they love being a part of something. And and just to, to see the people here locally that, you know, hey, I've been volunteering for 25 years. I'm volunteering for 30 years. I'm like, holy cow. Like, I mean, that's that's unbelievable. And to, to see those people in, in the passion um, that they have for, rmef and and what we do and and, and it passion passion is is, can be really good um and it can be i almost equate it and and i don't mean in a bad way but sometimes i equate it to church people get really passionate about church people get really passionate about rmef right when things change or things go differently because there are things that they love and that are near and dear to them so you know me coming in as a new person you know and and not knowing some past and changing and doing things differently it's sometimes just, just really good, you know, right. So, um, you know, definitely, am, am lucky to be a part of this. I, I think, you know, Michigan has the, the best volunteers in the country. And, and, um, you know, I'll, I'll say that just because I've in the years, years time, the amount of time, the effort and energy that they put into, into RMEF and to their events and to fundraising is, is astounding.
0: Yeah. So generally speaking, how is the elk doing in Michigan?
1: Yeah, we, we were, I was actually a part of our – so there's a 10-year plan with our elk management advisory team. So we got together with a variety of folks um, and stakeholders all across the state, and it was a, a couple-day um, – it, it was spread out, but a couple-day process. Um, our elk herd is, is in phenomenal shape. Um, we don't really have there, – there's not a need or desire for an increased number of animals – um and i think that um there's some some various factors into why that might be but our elk herd is healthy um you know it's it's uh i think our number wise we're right in the the zone that they want to be that 900 to 1200 some animals um and so really and, and it's the biggest thing for our herd here in michigan is uh, keeping them within the Pigeon River, and and they don't elk don't know where the Pigeon River is, or you know what it is, certain lines or whatever. But um, our elk herd is healthy um, and 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 prospering. So,
0: yeah, <clears throat> no, that's incredible. I mean, I was pretty fortunate where I grew up. Um, you know, not far from that that Pigeon River area uh, in northern Lower Michigan there, and I mean, I would see elk driving. I mean, I you know I grew up in a pretty r- small rural community. I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but I, I, you know, I, I was fortunate that I would see elk, um, driving to school in the morning sometimes. I mean, I even had a day where I was, uh, hunting on, uh, a private farm. Uh, this is whitetail hunting. I mean, I was, mm-hmm. gosh, probably mid twenties, early twenties, I would say. And it was, I'd never been to this spot before. Essentially, um, my dad and my uncle had gotten permission on this farm and had set up a tree stand for me. And it was right on this, you know, looking um, over this big, um, you know, uh, field. I was on a field yeah. edge. And I can see some deer probably like 100 yards uh, down to my right, uh, right on the field edge, you know, just come out of the woods, you know, kind of at that, the golden hour, that time frame. And, you know, of course, I'm just watching them, watching them, hoping that they're going to, you know, start working their way down towards me. And then all of a sudden I hear this noise kind of over my left shoulder Uh, and I'm like, God, it was just extremely loud. I'm like, what the hell is that? I turn around, there's like two bull elk and two cows sitting out there, probably 65 yards away, kind of at my like eight o'clock or I would say or so. But I'm like, at the time I was kind of mad. I'm like, because I'm thinking like, well, now no deer are going to work down here if these elk are here. But then in hindsight, you know, you know, years later, looking back on it, it's like, that was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced hunting here in Michigan.
1: Oh, my gosh. Yeah. There, there's a I mean, think of the amount of people that that hear that story that are like jealous of you. Right. They're oh, like, yeah. Oh, I would I would love to see that or that that's their response. Like, oh, my gosh, that's so great. And, and, and I was all pissed I off mean, in the moment. Right. In the moment, you're like,
0: man, now, now there's not
1: any gear. And it's like, who cares? right? Yeah. Like you're, you're witnessing something that's, you know, pretty cool um, that, you know, I mean, I don't I, how do you even put a number Ninety. Ninety-nine percent of people here, ninety-five percent of hunters in Michigan, will never experience something like that. You know, that's that's just a wild guess in terms of percentage. But I mean, yeah, definitely a, a, a once-in-a-lifetime cool experience that you know a lot of people would 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 kill to, to to see.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, you know, typically Michigan, you know, when when you talk to anyone in, in terms of elk hunting, you know, everyone thinks about the West and you know Colorado and Montana and Wyoming and and Utah and um, Idaho and, and places like that, in New Mexico. Can you give a little bit of a history about the, the elk herd in Michigan? I mean, is it something that's been around for a long time, um, you know, where numbers at a point one time, um, you know, like all elk, you know, that needed, you know, needed saving and needed restoration and, you know, where the RMEF steps in and other organizations steps in to help bring this back.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, just, just like anything else, you know, there's been a roller coaster in terms of our, our elk herd. Um, you know, our, gosh, uh, I think our, our native herds disappeared back in, you know, 1800s. Um, and then there was a reintroduction back, uh, gosh, it was, I know, it was 1918. So we just had over our 100 year celebration a couple years back as far as that reintroduction of, of elk. Um, you know, and then it it blossomed. Uh, I mean, I, I know in the, in the, I think it was in the 60s, um, you know, things in terms of number of elk were up in 1,500 numbers. Um, and then we, we definitely had some issues with um, some poaching uh, in that time, you know, in the 60s, where numbers dr- dramatically, you know, kind of fell off, right? Um, and ba- basically in like the mid-70s, they were, you know, only about 200 elk. Um oh, wow. so yeah I mean it basically went from 1500 down to 200 um you know elk here in Michigan so it's harder for them to hide um you know right. if you think about you think about you know anybody that's western gone out western hunting or, or anything like that I mean they can run up a mountain you know <laughs> like in in um and and there's no mountains here really uh, to speak of right so um <laughs> <Nope. laughs> uh, <laughs> so um You know and and and, you know after after that number i I mean i know the the michigan department you know really stepped in and and helped to bring that number uh back and then uh, they did shut off hunting for for some time um you know and, and and our herd's been been growing ever since then um it's been pretty constant in terms of kind of those elk numbers um you know we have increased our number of tags in recent years i think we're right at we're right at 290 tags, um, which is, you know, in comparison, like uh, Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania has more elk than Michigan. They have about 1,500 elk. Um, they only have 100 tags. So um, so really, you know, from a numbers perspective, um, I'll, I'll say we're doing pretty good. I, I'm sure there's other people that may listen to this and say, no, we need more. Uh, <laughs> well, we, we have a success rate of, of, of about 80%, you know, so 80% of people that draw a tag in Michigan – are successful. So, um, you know, those numbers are are great. You know, people wait all that time. You know, it's a true, true lottery system, right? You know, so, uh, or wait, I should say wait, it's a weighted lottery system, you know, so for each year that you put in, you get another name in a hat and whether you have, you know, your name in there once or whether you have your name in there 25 times, um, you know, they're only pulling X number of of drawings. So, um, you know, at the end of the day, our our herd is, is healthy. You know, we have, some good opportunities in terms of hunting here locally um you know and for those who don't draw i mean there are other states that have over-the-counter tags that you can go hunt you know so um i would say if, if you're here waiting for michigan to be introduced to elk hunting don't don't, um, don't, don't hold you can, your breath yeah don't <laughs> hold your breath you know there, there are other opportunities you know you can and, and some of it is it's is you know navigating other states is difficult you know it's almost like looking at the ocean and say where do I go fish right right um which state do I go to what do I do but um you know looking at other options outside the state of michigan are are options that are available to anybody um if they draw tags or they go to over the counter areas but but our elk herd you know from you know being here over 104 years has definitely had a roller coaster um of you know numbers you know like i said we're, we're probably in that 900 to 1,200 range today, um, and, and people that are drawing tags are having great success. So, um, you know, I'm sure that 20% may say otherwise that are unsuccessful, um, <laughs> but, but, but I'm sure that they have experiences. Um, you know, last year we had two Michigan volunteers that both drew tags. One was a bull tag and one was a cow tag. Uh, both were successful in, in their efforts um, without guide. Um, they basically had other volunteers that went and helped them and said, Hey, you don't need to get a guide. Come with me. I'll help you get them. And they were both, both successful. So, um, the opportunities are definitely there. If you do draw, um, and shoot, if you do draw, I, I could probably get you in touch with some army of volunteers that would love to just go out there and be a part of it. Because, even, you know, I, I talked about those, some of the successes that I, I've had hunting myself, but I get just as excited when, you know, my, my cousin killed first elk he ever saw was a six by six he shot with his bow and uh you know so i I was jacked up for him and and, you know was there when my dad shot his you know first bull with a bow and brother-in-law and i I get just as excited you know so i think we have a lot of volunteers that are like that as well that they just love being there and and being in the elk and and being in that area
0: yeah because that's uh, you know for for michigan speaking um i mean that that's a once in a lifetime hunt Right. So yeah. to, yep. to be alongside that or, or aid in any way and watching essentially that, that dream hunt for, you know, most Michigan residents, you know, kind of come to fruition. I mean, that's, that's powerful stuff, man, to, to see, yeah. you know, I don't care, you know, like uh, how many of these, these, uh, you know, hunters have, you know, had success in, in Western States, let's say, but to do it in Michigan, you know, where they live, where they volunteer, um, to see that, to see that through, I mean, that's, that's a cool thing. I mean, that's, that's a bucket list thing for, you know, a lot of people. And I think, or I'm I'm going to speculate a bit here, but, you know, a, a Michigan resident who's, you know, maybe killed a handful of elk over his, his lifetime, uh, in other Western States, but kills one in Michigan. I got to believe that that one in Michigan means a whole heck of a lot more than, than those ones out of state.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. It's, it's the, it's the exclusivity, right? Uh, It's, you know, for one, you have to be a Michigan resident, right? You know, so, you know, someone that, you know, let's just say they lived in Wyoming their whole life. They're well, I've killed 15 elk. Well, unless you move here to Michigan, you're not going to kill a Michigan elk, right? You know, Um, you know, so, and, 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 you know, it's not something that we grew up doing every year. You know what I mean? It was, you know, uh, you know, I would say, obviously, November 15th is a sacred day in most of our hearts when it comes to, yeah, um, absolutely. You're hunting here in Michigan, right? Um, and whether you, uh, you miss the morning, I, I know I would usually miss the first four hours of school and then go back so I could go to wrestling practice. Um, oh, they'd cancel you know, school but, for us
0: on opening day.
1: <laughs> uh, I wish they would have done that for us. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I even I, I did it when I was in college. I would drive up and hunt in the morning and then go back so I could go to college wrestling practice. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but yeah, I mean, there, there's that that stigma of, yeah, that it's Michigan and that it's, um, you know, call it homegrown and, um, in your own state definitely has, you know, an added value regardless of the size, right. If if, if it's a, you know, small bull, huge bull cow, you know, for that matter. I mean, for those who haven't, um, eaten elk, um, I'll put it to the Pepsi challenge with, with, with any animal. Absolutely. Um, It's, um, the taste um and actually i had dinner with my parents the other night and uh and my dad was kind of complaining he's like oh that big bull that you shot last year wasn't as good i was like okay well i guess i'll just stick to shooting small ones if i can you know and, <laughs> <laughs> and you know we we joked about it but uh i mean it was still phenomenal right it's the the how tender and, and just the the flavor of those animals um i mean I, if if no one's had elk uh i would suggest getting some um if you can get your hands on it i know i'm pretty stingy about mine uh, yeah so so just because it is so good you know but uh yeah i mean it's just it's definitely something you know michigan elk is, is, is near and dear to i think everybody's heart
0: yeah and what a good problem to have uh this bull doesn't taste as good as your last bull like come on
1: <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, I'm like come on dad those are some first world problems
0: Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> So what are, uh, some projects, I guess, maybe both past and present, um, that you can speak about that, that RMEF is, is taking part in or partnering in, um, here in Michigan?
1: Yeah. To kind of, to, to, I talked a little bit earlier about, um, you know, our, the, the money that we raise stays here within Michigan. So, um, that would be our PAC money, our project advisory committee dollars that go to the state here. So, um. Of that 50%, 75% of that is going towards the elk herd. With that percentage uh, project, that actually the, the money that we raised last year, and again, I've only been in the role for a year, um, is they're, they're doing a clear-cutting operation that, that's going to be up in the Pigeon River. So it's, it's about a three-year project of, of doing some clear-cutting to try to restore some native um, natural grasslands back to that area. Um, You know, so it's just kind of taking, you know, some some upgrowth of of trees and and clear cutting sometimes gets gets a bad name or negative name. But, um, you know, whether it's clear cutting or or fire or whatever it is, um, those create room for new growth, which is stuff that, you know, elk love to graze on um, and be a part of. And and, and they love big open areas, you know, whether it's during the, the rut you know, to keep an eye on their, their harem of cows and, and, and graze in. Um, but th- that's one project that the money that we raised last year is going towards. Um, there was another long-term uh, Aspen project that was kind of been put on the back burner that we work with the, the uh, MSU with. Um, I'm not hundred percent sure on some of that. I just know they they asked me for continuance recently, uh, but a big um, elk Aspen uh, project that, that's happening up there. Um, another thing that in in september well usually do two a year and, and, and this year and last year we didn't just because of some things with covid and um we basically will do a we call it our rendezvous it's in september this year it's on september uh gosh september 17th i believe um where we will go up to wolverine and we'll stay at um elkwood campground and we camp out and then on saturday we'll go do a project. And in the past, we've done projects where, it com- where we're either, you know, pulling fence, pulling noxious weeds, planting apple trees, uh, things of that nature. So, um, stuff where we can get volunteers to actually come and, and be a part of something and, and, and you know, put in some sweat equity. So, um, those are a couple different things that, you know, in my short time that I've been a part of. Um, we're still getting some of the details on what exactly we'll be doing on the 17th. But, any of the things that we do are aligning with, you know, the Michigan department of natural resources. So, I mean, they're a close partner. So it's, we're not just going in there and saying, yeah, we're going to bushwhack and we're going to take this out, you know? So we're, we're working hand in hand with them to, you know, for them to understand what, what, what is needed. Um, and, and, and for us to, to, you know, we have the people that want to do it. Right. So, Hey, you have stuff or things that need to get done. We have people that are willing to do it. so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh... <clears> that's <throat> a a great thing when both sides can you know work together uh actively work Ooh. together um to see a mission through um because yeah i mean the I, you and i may have talked about this before but you know the the money the donations those are great you know those are absolutely needed um in order to to continue you know what RMEF is doing or, or any conservation organization um for that matter but it's it's that it's those boots on the ground right that's where you really, um, get that tangible, uh, result like you talked about, because I think, especially in this day and age, um, with this younger generation of, of volunteers and, and hunters and just, you know, outdoor recreationists, it's, they, they want to see something, right? If they're going to go yeah. spend, you know, four or five hours on a Saturday, they want to be able to, when they're done, you know, kind of, you know, wipe their hands and be like, yep, that's what we did today, right? Something to hang yeah. their hat on. And that's, uh, I mean, that's thats a really motivating factor for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, no, you're, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's, um, it's one of those things that's kind of, you know, we're in such a uh, a, a digital age. We're in, in such an age where people, you know, want to, you know, see what, what their, you know, efforts are for, you know, whether they've been to a, a banquet or not. You know, we just had an elk relocation project down in Kentucky um, earlier this year. Um, and, you know, we, we filmed that and we, we captured some, some elk in Kentucky for those who aren't aware. And we, we helped capture those and and again, worked with the state to help with that capture. And some of my coworkers were down there as a part of that. And they helped capture these elk and then relocated them to another part, um, uh, into Daniel Boone National Forest. So, um, you know, we filmed that, we put that video out and I mean, like who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Like, Oh, you got to go capture those elk and, you know, and, and lay on them and, and hold them down and do Yeah. I mean like that, that's cool. Right. And that's, Oh wow. That's my part of the, that's my part of the world. I'm, whether you're in Kentucky or you're in the Eastern part of the States, it's like, okay, well, yeah, this is something that's, you know, I'm in Michigan. It's not that far down to Kentucky. Right. Right. Um, where, where some of the stuff's happening, you know? Um, so that sort of stuff really, you know, when, when we do that sort of stuff, people want to become more engaged. They want to be part of that when they see those things, you know, Um, it's one thing to say, like, we're doing a a clear cut project. You know, that's probably not that, that appealing of a, of a, of a project to say, Hey, we're doing this, but you know, they're probably not going to, I don't think they're going to come film about that. You know what I mean? Like they did on, on the out capture, but, but it's all a part of it, right? It's, it's, there were, there were a lot of projects, that led up to elk capture, right? To that, that kind of that big, big sort of project, right? Um, you know, and whether it, whether it's an on project, a land acquisition, whatever it is, um, these are all factors that, you know, help to keep, um, you know, any, any local elk herd happy, healthy, um, you know, and, and here for future generations.
0: Yeah, definitely. So <clears throat> with, uh, you know, uh, a, a very, uh, healthy, elk herd population here in Michigan what are some of the biggest I guess issues that are facing the elk herd Uh, I mean is it poaching is it just uh, you know not enough uh, habitat for them to um, to thrive all the time I mean what are what are some of the issues that that uh, that you're seeing
1: yeah I mean one thing I mean and and I'll speak just because we've had a recent meeting and and, uh, the department may be able to speak a little bit more on this but um, you know one our herd is healthy we you know one thing that in terms of uh the habitat is is there and, and in the 60s there was uh, some large clear-cutting operations that kind of really before some, some major poaching came in that really helped open up habitat and do those sort of things so um you know obviously there are different stakeholders at hand when it comes to to happy right now um you could be like, uh, you could be a private landowner in that area and say, well, I'm having issues with crop deprivation. Right. So there are factors there are issues with, with, um, private landowners in the area where, you know, an elk herd will come in and they'll they'll graze all night and, um, you know, take out habitat, you know, again, they don't know that that's private land and they don't know that that's public land and they're not supposed to be eating there, you know? Um, so, there are issues with, with some interactions between, you know, private landowners and farming operations that are in that area. Right. Um, There's the fear of, you know, diseases, whether it's chronic wasting disease or TB, um, you know, between elk and then obviously the TV between cattle and, uh, and elk there. So that, that's, that's a huge, huge factor when it comes to the elk herd and and any sort of expansion is um, you know, we don't want, you know, diseases to be spreading, um, there. Um, and, and so, I mean, those are, those are a few of it, a few of them, you know, obviously, um, is, is I think habitat wise from, from our recent meetings, it seems like we have a healthy habitat. We have a healthy herd. Um, it's just, you know, when we look at, I think a lot of people will say, well, we'll look at how many elk are in Kentucky versus how many elk are in Michigan. Um, the elk that they have there are in less rural areas, right? Uh, they're putting them in, into, you know, some national forests, uh, you know, whereas, you know, you have elk human interaction. I mean, you, you hit a, you hit an elk going, you know, 75 down, down the highway, you're in for a world of hurt, right? Yeah. You uh, yeah. So, um, you know, there, there's, there's, there's those factors in place, you know, whether it's uh, crops or, um you know, automobile interactions and, and things of that nature. So, um, you know, in terms of poaching or anything like that, there's there's not been a lot of things that I've heard in terms of of anything there. I mean, specifically, um, I'm, I'm sure there are things that do happen. You know, um, it's a big area up there. Um, and I think the department does a great job of enforcing laws and things that are happening up there. But you know, it's just like it's just like out west. You know, they have uh, wildlife officers that's responsible for a certain area, right. Uh, that could be a hundred miles or whatever. Yeah. So, um, but you know, honestly from the conversations that we had at the elk management advisory team meetings, our, our herd is healthy, happy. Um, our habitat's healthy and happy. And, and again, I'm speaking in generalities because some, some other people may say, well, they're, they're grazing, on, <laughs> they're grazing on my soybeans or they're, you know, they're, they're grazing on all of our natural vegetation for our deer, you know? So, um, there are some people that, you know, We talk about, you know, food plots and things of that nature. There were, there were some, some people that have a hunt club up there. They're like, well, we plant food plots and the elk come in and just devastate them. Right. And and so then our deer, our deer aren't getting any bigger, you know? Um, And and it's, and, and my joke to them, I was, I I said, why don't you just put up a sign that says no, no elk allowed. Right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, you know, everyone kind of laughed, but, um, you know, it's, it's. You know, it's in the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah. And I'm sure other people would say, like, well, it's it's not good because we don't have enough tags, right? You know, so, again, Pennsylvania would say, we'll take 290 tags and be very happy, right? Versus oh, yeah. That three, time, or, yeah <laughs> you know?
0: three times what they have, sure. <laughs> three
1: times. Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
0: So, <clears throat> kind of wrapping up here before I, I let you get back out of here and, and get back to fighting the good fight. Where can people here in Michigan get involved? I mean, what's the easiest way to to find more information?
1: Yeah, I mean, so in terms of whether it's our fundraisers or events, um, you know, rmef.org has all of our events from all around the country. Um, You know, we have our Michigan Facebook page where you can go on and um, see any events or goings on, you know, so it's... um, Michigan. It's the Michigan Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation Facebook page where there's a lot of stuff on, on things that are happening in that regard. Um, they can email myself uh, in, it's at csalsbury at org if they have questions or want to get to contact me. And they can also to our to our page and have my contact information there. But, I mean, anything that people are wanting to do, whether it's on the grounds, whether it's helping with local fundraising and events, um, I, I had people that we had a video that came out last year, um, where we were doing some wire pulling, um, out West in Idaho and, um, they're, they're wanting to get involved and drive to Idaho. And I'm like, more power to ya. you. You yeah, know, that's, absolutely. that's great. Um, they're, and you're like, well, you, you know, you should, you should coordinate a trip, Clint. And I was like, I don't have the time to coordinate, you know, a volunteer <laughs> trip, you know, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, you know, I have things and and work to do back here. Um, but I can give you the, the name of the regional director out there. And, you know, they're always looking for people to come out. And if you want to go create accommodations, go for it. You know, so and that just, you know, that goes to the passion of the people that 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 are are, are wanting to be a part of, of RMF and want to be a part of us. It's, it's you know, it's not just here within Michigan. It's, it's It's all over the country.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the things that. I've always kind of said, and it's kind of one of the reasons behind me starting The Average Conservationist is because all of these, you know, these, you know, amazing conservation organizations out there. I mean, they're all made up of just, you know, regular dudes, right? Regular guys, regular gals that just have a passion for something that, you know, see the bigger picture, want to be part of something bigger than them. And they give their time and their money and, you know, don't ask for anything in return. And I think that that's, Uh, it just speaks volumes to the characters, uh, to the character of of those individuals that um, you know that want to come out and be a part of you know RMEF or or anything else for that matter.
1: Yeah, I mean, and any conservation group, you know, we we have a a volunteer that that's been volunteering for a for a long time. And he owns some property and he had some some people that were duck hunting and they came up. They're like, hey, can we duck hunt your land? And his question, then he goes, are you a part of any conservation groups? And they said no. And he said, well, now you you can't hunt. And I was like those kids had their cell phones, they should have been getting a, getting a DU or getting a, a white tails or getting the RMEF membership like immediately. And he would have yeah. let them go. You know what I mean? So like, you know, for us, we're, we're all on the same team, right? Whether it's uh, ducks or Turkey or, or white tails, you know, we're, we're all here for conservation and, and the things that we do in terms of any of our projects, it, it's not limited to elk. You know, I joked about elk not allowed, you know, and it, it's the same way. It's not like elk are only allowed in these projects that we do. Right. It it, it affects, you know, the whole food chain, um, you know, so we're all on the same team and we're all striving to, to, to I think, for the same goal. And that is to keep, uh, keep our animals, keep our, keep our rights, keep um, the ability for future generations to go out and, uh, you know, participate in some of the things that
0: we, we love to do ourselves today. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, very well said. So one more thing here, Clint, <clears throat> before mm-hmm. I let you go, you know, Michigan elk aside. You got anything planned for this fall or, or any hunts or trips that you, uh, you, uh, are looking forward to? Oh,
1: absolutely. So I, uh, I did not draw in Wyoming for antelope, but I will be going to Colorado for archery antelope in August and then, uh, Colorado in, for archery elk in September. And I will be going to, um, Texas in November for, uh, whitetail and, um, axis uh deer down in texas in november um
0: that sounds like I a think great that, three-month stretch
1: yeah so uh i i honestly think if i had drawn uh october for um for for wyoming i probably would have been like i don't know how i'm gonna fit this in but <laughs> um <laughs> you know it, it's one of those things that it was uh kind of probably a, a good thing so yeah very very busy i mean you know colorado i spent 10 years out there so i i, I have some, some spots hopefully i can uh, get in on some some antelope and out in eastern colorado and then um, go out to uh, try to chase some elk as well so
0: yeah no that sounds like a, a hell of a fall man i wish you the best of luck with that because <laughs> that's going to be i mean even if you shoot 50 percent on that on your trips i mean that's still that's a banner year oh, for most guys right
1: yeah oh i mean I, I did absolutely i i last year i got a a Pope and young antelope with my bow. And then I got on my biggest bowl with a bow and I said, well, I, I don't need to shoot anything else this year. And, uh, my dad said, he's like, well, you need a, you need a, a buck with a small body and a big rack. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I don't have any freezer space. Um, <laughs> but and I, I, I did not shoot again. I, I wasn't going to shoot in a small deer just cause I, I didn't need the meat, you know, um, yeah. or anything like that. And I did shoot a, a, a white tail down in Texas, but, um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, you know, like you said, if, if I'm just successful and I'm, I'm one of even like half of those, one of those, um, it's, it's a great year. And, and it's not always about the success, right? I mean, having the, having the experiences, um, you know, some of the stories, just being able to share these stories and experiences with, you know, people where, you know, had a mountain lion at seven yards and, uh, you know, had, you know, a bull last year that I shot that had 40 cows in there and. And um, you know, those experiences and, and, you know, years ago, I was there with uh, a young, young kid. He was about 10 years old and was putting face paint on him that evening. And then we, we walked up and I shot a cow there with the him. I mean, those experiences and those stories that, um, you know, I've had and friends have had together. I mean, those are ones that you'll talk about, um, you know, for years and years and years. So success or no success, it's the experience that you get to have and, the, and those memories and, and, having to put something on the wall, you know, later or in the freezer later, that's just the the icing on the cake.
0: Yeah. It's funny how the older you get, the more the the harvest, the kill becomes such a small part of the story, right? It's all, it's all about the experiences and sharing those with friends and family or new hunters. Uh, I mean, yeah, that's, it's funny how as you get older, uh, the priorities certainly shift and change uh, as far as what you consider a successful hunt. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. All right, Clint. Well, <clears throat> thank you again for the time today. I'm glad we were able to make this happen and uh, look forward to uh, seeing you at some banquets or some uh, volunteer uh, events and uh, talking again in the future.
1: Yeah, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it.
0: All right, take care, Clint. All right, bye. Bye. All right. Well, big shout out to Clint uh, for taking some time to sit down with me on the podcast this week. Uh, I would also like to thank the partners of the podcast, Stone Glacier, Hardside Hydration, Go Hunt, Wild Rivers Coffee, Outdoor Class, and of course, 2% for Conservation. Uh, please be sure to go out and support the brands that support this podcast and help make it possible as well. Uh, and if you're interested in learning more about 2% for Conservation, you can visit their website, fishandwildlife.org. And over there, you're going to see all the certified brands that have committed to conservation that you should support when you shop. I also encourage you guys to give two percent a follow on social media, where it's going to be only positive conservation-driven content that lands in your feed. So again, if you'd like to learn more about two percent for conservation, you can look for them online on social media or at fishandwildlife.org. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining me this week, everyone. Hope you enjoyed the episode with Clint. Uh, be sure and check out theaverageconservationist.com. Pick up some. Uh, Some merchandise, some swag to help support conservation. Um, And until next week, stay safe out there. And remember that conservation starts with you. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes